why is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Well, the other one that's insane is, uh, I believe it was Waylon Jennings was on the same tour with Buddy Hollins or Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, the Big Bopper. Yes. And you know this story, which I did not know. So they flipped a coin to see who was going to take who the plane ride and who was going to ride the bus. Yes. And as they, after they flipped, and I guess Richie Valens won the coin, something like that. And as they're leaving, like to turn to go back to the bus, Waylon Jennings says, I hope you crash. Oh, I didn't know he and said that. And that was the last thing he said to them and apparently obviously haunted him for the rest of his life. That, oh that was like the last words to his friends. Can you imagine? Okay, first of all, they, they clearly weren't friends. You can't say that. I would never say that to you. No matter how mad I am, it, I would never say that. I, don't, I would never tempt fate like a, that. Right. I mean, I, I'm i guessing it I would was be like, jest, I hope they, they forgot the... There's no bar on the plane, or I hope right. I hope ran there's out no of peanuts. peanuts. <laughs> right, like right. I mean, I hope the movie is alive. Titanic, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like that. <laughs> Titanic. This is why, with your hosts Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. No, I told you I saw Alive on a plane <clears throat> to Australia once. That's insane. That was, the, that really? was my in-flight movie. When I, <laughs> I'm flying to Australia to see my parents by myself in college when I developed this horrible fear of flying. So I was already like freaked the fuck out. And my in-flight movie was right. alive. Don't they check those kind of things? Apparently not. Not in the 90s anyway. Because I feel like. Well, I remember taking the studio tour at CNN and this does come back. And like we, one of the things was like, oh, here's all the editing bays for CNN airport. And they had their own like production studio for the CNN airport. And the like tour guide was like, well, do you know the one thing that like makes CNN airport different than any other CNN network? And the answer is that they do not show plane accidents because apparently watching planes crash right before you board a plane is not kind of great mojo to be putting out there. No, no, nobody likes that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But they put on a lie. I mean, are they like a lie? What's the, what's the motivation? Is like, right. Not everyone died. So it was a big movie. I don't know. Maybe it's like, here's where your, you know, your life preserver is. Here's the oxygen mask. And by the way, just in case, here's how you cook your fellow passengers or eat them raw. Yeah. Our in-flight movies today are Alive, La Bamba, and, you know, Leonard Skinner. Was it Freebird, the movie? Was the live film? Yes. It would have been better Maybe if I knew that as the punchline. <clears throat> but, it's okay. It's still trash. <laughs> well, that's kind of up. Yeah. That, yeah. But even like Titanic, wow. to your earlier point, but, like, I bet you they showed mm. Titanic on planes when that film came out. Oh, I saw it on a and, plane. I saw it on Well, a plane. there you go. That's almost as bad. I mean, it's not as bad as a plane crash when you're on a plane. But, like, do they have it on demand on a cruise ship? And in any probably mode of transportation, not. it's probably... I mean, I don't know that I'd want to watch Speed on a plane. Mm. Any sort of public well, transportation weird. and a disaster that happens on 
a mode of public transportation. Not really right. great. Well, I just remember the, like I had seen it previously. And so it was a flight back from France and um, <clears throat> kind of realizing as the movie's going on, I'm like, they didn't edit this for the airplane and they edited everything for the airplane. And it's on all those little TVs in front of everybody. And then when Leo starts painting Kate, like one of her French girls, I like look up in every yes. single screen. I'm like, this is very bizarre. <laughs> I'm shocked. Nobody <laughs> raised holy hell that their children were exposed to such lasciviousness. Yeah. Okay, but it's worse so, now because the, now you can watch well, whatever you It's like on demand. You get to pick. I mean, I could pull up Reservoir Dogs if I wanted to. Yeah, but there's usually some things yeah, that yeah. have plenty of... Yeah, there are. Well, true. Cut it all out. It's true. I mean... I always end up watching a documentary that is way more graphic than I realize at the beginning of the flight. Yeah. Always, of course. The worst one was, uh, what was the name of the movie? It was about one of these uh, L.A. communes in the seventies, where they recorded like fifty albums. And you didn't know that that and, like, would have was... stuff in it. Oh, wait for it. No, like I, I was thinking, like, well, there, it's like a very spiritual and higher plane, and all this. So, I, for some reason, I was like, I don't think there's going to be much nudity. I think I'll be okay. I wasn't expecting the live birth. That's where they lost oh, me. Jesus. <laughs> and I'm just like trying to look cool and just be like, no, I just watch this kind of thing all the time. It's fine. Like if I'm, I feel uh, in a public situation like that, I feel like if I act like this is weird, everyone's right. going to act like it's weird. No, Whereas it if just I'm just like, if I'm just a guy who gets on planes and watches people giving birth, <laughs> Hey, that's normal. That's who you are. Deal. You could be an OBJ right. for all they know. Exactly. Doing your continuing education. So Concrete Cowboy is your first screen role. It seems like a good one to start out with. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, if you're going to start <laughs> out, why not start out as the wife of, like, the biggest star in the world at the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, like I had any control over that. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've been auditioning my whole life and it just so happened that this was the one. So pretty cool. Pretty cool to start. Yeah. And now this isn't obviously your first gig. You've done a Correct. ton of stage work uh, in yeah. New York, Philly, Washington. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing theater for about 25 years altogether. I mean, I started when I was young and, you know, we all do the, the, the school plays, you know, in elementary school, they make you be in. But right. I quickly found that I was like the only kid in the class taking it super seriously. Like I was like, these are these are important auditions, you guys. And, right. you know, um, and it just carried on up through, you know, up through high school, up through college. Um, I had some other detours along the way. I'm also a musician and a singer and all kinds of other things. But mm -hmm. it was always, you know, ever since I was a kid, it was like, I want to be the girl that makes movies. Who's making movies? How do they do that? You know? Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, that was always it. And it just took me a while to get here, <laughs> which I'm fine with. 
Yeah. Oh, you're here. That's all that matters. Here, exactly. Yeah. How hard was it for you to switch over um, to sort of put together a character and create a character mm. over a scene, you know, a series of shots and sequences that are out of order compared to doing it on the stage where it is right. you have two hours to build this person. Yeah, it's just a bulldoze through. Yeah, it's it's different. Um, in some ways, I've always been prepared for it. Um, all during, you know, college and any theater class I ever uh, had, I always heard, you're a film actress, aren't you? And I'd be like, yeah, what do you mean by that? And, you know, they'd be like, you need to make it bigger for the, for the stage, right. you know? Um, so there was always a little bit of that screen actress, I guess, in me. But um, the, the biggest difference is for me, it's like the, you know, when you're on stage, you have the immediate reaction of the audience. Whereas for the film, you know, my first day on set, I had to show up at noon, but I didn't get in front of a camera until about 4.35 o'clock. So it's what do you do for those, you know, four, four and a half, five hours where you need to be ready to go when they say, okay, Liz, we need you. Um, right. But you're also not just like exhausting yourself for those four hours. So that was a bit, that was hard in terms of like, I need to keep this level for the whole day, you know, that right. was hard. Um, but again, I think part of it was, I was so excited that it was my first film and that it was, you right. know, such a big deal that it was almost like, you know, they, they had to calm me down sometimes. They had to be like, right. okay, just wait, you know, go, go back in your trailer and wait. And I'm like, I'm ready now. I'm ready. You ready? You need me? You know? So um, <laughs> it was, it was fun in that sense. But yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, they say um, with film, it's a lot of hurry up and wait, you know? And, yep. and that's, yeah, it's very true. So bit of an adjustment, but I enjoyed it. I really did. I enjoyed the, you know, the downtime. I had my own trailer. That's the trippiest thing ever. Um, mm. It was fun. Just be like, yeah, I'm hanging out in my trailer, you know, I'm just going to watch some TV. <laughs> so yeah, you make it work. <laughs> yeah. No. And from my experience on film, four hours, they treated you, you got in and out of there quickly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, that was the first day. And um, yeah, there were other days. I mean, you know, we'd shoot one scene um, and then my next scene wasn't until like nine o'clock at night. So it, you can't go home. You know, you got to stay. Right. So, you know, you got to figure out. And it's weird. It's not like you can lay down because you can't mess up the hair. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got to you got to figure it out. But um you know, I had music played a really big role in in keeping me in character and also keeping me kind of relaxed between. Um, so I did play a lot of music. I watched some TV on my phone and um, I happened to be in a cast with, with people who have done quite a bit more than I have. So I got to chit chat with a lot of people too, which was fun. So. See if they can get you Ava Duvernay's cell phone number. Yeah, somebody's like, come on. Guys. I was looking down the list; like everybody's been in something she's done. Yeah, right. It's insane. <laughs> she's she's on my list of people, you know, that I definitely want to work with, and you know, and Jarrell Jerome was in our movie. Right. Who you know worked with her, and uh, I got to meet him. I met him on my very last day after I wrapped. Literally, they were like, "That's a wrap for Liz Priestley," and I was like, oh, and then this person comes up to me. He's like, "Hi, I'm Jarrell." 
you know. <laughs> but yeah, it was surreal. The whole thing was that's surreal. A, <laughs> and that's the thing always people don't completely get that all of the cast are not hanging out on set right. all the time. That right. it's yeah. you're there Tuesday, Thursday, then you don't bother coming in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I basically had the majority of my scenes with, with Idris. I had one day, one, one and a half days, really. And then the rest of the time was me and Caleb, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of the, you know, like Method Man, Lorraine Toussaint, um, Jarrell Jerome, Byron Bowers, I didn't really get to see them um, until I was done and just kind of right. hanging out because I was like, I want to go home, you know. <laughs> this is one of, of those, but... Yeah. Yeah. How much research do you do for the role? Do you do like a character breakdown? How much does the director or the writer give you to work with? Well, you know, on this particular film, um, because of the historical framework, this, you know, this community of black cowboys in Philadelphia at Fletcher Street stables, there was a wealth of, of information for me to turn to in terms of like, what is this story about and who are these people? Because they're real. Um, my character, you know, she's not in that community. I'm, I'm the one from Detroit who, you know, I bring my son into this setting. Um, so for me, it was interesting because during the audition process, my character was written very differently than how she ends up in the film. In the audition process, she was written, um, as a drug addict who I believe she was actually going to rehab at one point in the script. Um, and they were being like evicted out of the apartment and all this other stuff. So for me, my research really was just getting into the character mindset of what's it going to, what's it like to lose your home, to feel like you have no other options and be at the end of your rope. So um, I actually, you know, the, the, the stuff about, you know, the black cowboys and Fletcher street, I kind of was a little bit late to that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say when I got cast, I didn't even know that they existed. I had no clue. And I'm from here. You know what I mean? Like here. Um, I had no clue. I, I remember when I got cast, I asked the person, I was like, is this a fantasy story? Like who made this up? And they were like, no, no, no. These are real people. You know, I was like, right. Oh, so, um, so I did, you know, I did a little bit of research just on my own once I found out, oh, this is this is a real community. Um, just kind of read some articles. But for me personally, for my character, I really just kind of, um, I went a little method, which is not something I would normally do. But, um, you know, I stayed up for about 48 hours, made sure I looked really tired. And, um, you know, I was crying a lot. And I just kind of went in with the mindset of like, I'm at the end of my rope, I'm exhausted. And that was really all I needed to do to get into that space for the scene that they wanted me to do. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a little bit here and there. And then kind of towards the end, I really started looking up more about, you know, Fletcher Street and about the Black Cowboys. So Right. And you mentioned you had a playlist going to stay in character while you're on set. Yeah. Is that what? Lot of Leonard Cohen? Um you know just super depressing music. Super depressing music. They yeah. they make a mention um in the in the source material, because this is based on a book, Ghetto Cowboy. Right. And then um in this in the film as well, uh where my son got his name. Um, his name is Cole, which is short for Coltrane. 
And there is a specific John Coltrane song that they mention um, quite a bit in the script. And so that was like the first half of my playlist was that song like six times, you know what I mean? Just because again, it was such a, you know, meaningful song for my character and for, you know, right. Idris Elba's character. Um, so I listened to that a lot, a lot of John Coltrane. Um, and then from that, I was able to then add to it. So I, I brought in some Miles Davis. I brought in some like old school, like Bonnie Raitt, old school, you know, James Taylor kind of keeping in that cowboy theme, you know? Um, mm. But, you know, just, just songs that would really not necessarily make me sad, but definitely make me sit and contemplate. You know what I mean? Really right, just yeah. kind of be deep in thought. So yeah, it was more like that, but definitely John Coltrane. Um, trying to think of the name of the song. I can't believe I can't remember it. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. I mean, even just Love Supreme is like, oh, that would work. I can see that. That would you work. Know? I mean, that would, yeah. oh. I mean, you know, jazz is, is so beautiful and so evocative of different emotions and things. So it's a wonderful type of music to really get you into that headspace. So I was kind of glad yeah. that they mentioned Coltrane because then once I picked the song out, I was just like every day just listening to it, even on my way down to the set, just, you know, getting myself right into that headspace. So, yeah. And how does that compare with how Idris Elba works since you guys had scenes together? You know, I didn't get to see a ton of his process because he, so we each had about eight or nine days on the set, mm -hmm. but we only had one day that overlapped. So he was there before me. Um, but what I did get to see with him, he seemed like, first of all, he seemed super comfortable in the role, which was cool. Um, I know he was working with like a dialect uh, coach who was actually a friend of mine. Um, but other than that, I mean, he just seemed to be very like stand back and observe what's going on and then kind of walk into the scene and do his thing. But I noticed he would, you know, when the shots were being set up or when, you know, things were happening, he'd just kind of be off to the side looking just kind of checking things out. And then when it would be his time, he'd just kind of walk in, do the thing. And yeah, it was great. He was very easygoing, really fun mm -hmm. to work with. We got to chat a little bit um, between takes and it was just like the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done. <laughs> like yeah, more than the right. acting with him was just talking. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he's a sweetheart. He's so, he's so nice. And um I heard that, you know, there were, there were nights, they had like a week of night shoots and I only had to be there for one of those, but he, you know, during the night, he's just sitting around the campfire with the other cowboys, just like shooting the breeze and having a beer. Like, I was like, that's cool. That's cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it worked well. You guys are sort of complimentary. I think obviously so. Obviously in playing spouses, there's a certain, 
level of, of comfort one has to have with that person. It's interesting because, you know, in this situation, I think on other films, we would have met beforehand. We would have had a chemistry read. We would have made sure they, you know, we looked together on screen. None of that happened. And my first day on set, I met, I met Caleb. And then two seconds later, we're up on a horse. And then, you know, 10 seconds after that, there's another guy on a horse and it's dangerous. You know, it's like, what? Um, yeah, but it was even from the, the, the first time we ran through our scene, which is, you know, kind of emotional. It's very powerful. I felt like we were on the same page and there had not mm -hmm. been a discussion prior. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he's just that good. I don't know. <laughs> right. It just, you know, like it felt very easy, very natural. And, um, I had a great, you know, I had a great, it's the, how hard can it be to be in a scene well, where you have to hug Idris Elba? I mean, how, how bad, right. how hard? No, I'd be thrilled for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what about Caleb? What was it like working with someone who's got so much experience already under I, his belt? I'm blown camera. away. I'm blown away by Caleb McLaughlin. Like I know, you know, going into this, everybody's, you know, talking to me about Idris, right? They're like, oh, Idris, Idris, Idris. And you know, he's great. And he is great. But the majority of my scenes were with Caleb. And he was 17 when we shot. And I just I, I was blown away. He seemed to have never-ending energy, which I know when you're 17, it's like that, right. but it's still impressive when you see mm -hmm. it, you know. Um, and he just, it seemed like he tackled every scene head on. And I was so grateful to him for being so gracious with me coming in, you know, who am I, right? He has no idea who I am. He has no idea if I've even had any experience or whatever. And I never felt like, um, like he was being condescending towards me or that he didn't think I could do it. It was just always from the, from the second I was there, like, Hey, you ready? Let's go. Let's go. You know, um, he's really fun. He's so fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. We were kind of in the same boat a little bit on this because this is his first, um, feature film, like his first starring role mm. in feature. Um, and it's my first film. And then the director, it's his first uh, feature film because um, he's only done uh, short films up till now. So the three of us had a few moments where, you know, we'd be kind of off to the side, like, can you believe this? Can you believe this? And I'm looking at Caleb, like, can you believe it? You know, um, <laughs> but it was just like for him to even say, like, this is going to be really great for us. I'm like, you're you're already there as far as I'm concerned. Right. You're already there. But it was, you know cool that he even thought like hey we're just similar cool well, yeah, he, sure. he was awesome i i could do i would love to do more movies with kayla or tv with kayla he, he's just great really great what and i mean so much of that you know the a, a scene or an actor is only as good as their scene partner yeah especially mm -hmm. if you're having these heavy emotional scenes so yeah the, again very nice of all the films to start out with. You start out with, you know, two incredibly talented, you know, skilled seasoned yeah. actors to to play off of and kind of learn from. I definitely lucked out in that. I mean, I, I can't believe I still. I mean, I say this to people now. I'm like, I'm still pinching myself on a daily basis over a year later, being like, did that mm. actually? Oh, it happened. Okay, it did happen. <laughs> okay, because it's just like 
I, I can't even believe. And, you know, poor Caleb, all my scenes with him, I'm angry. And there's like a scene where I'm like literally just like hitting him. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, go for it. Let's do it. <laughs> you know? And then we did a take and I just wham, I let him have it. And he looked at me after the take like, you know, I had such a ball. I had such a ball. It was, if I never do anything else, you know, I hope I get to, but you know, even right. if I never do this, this, I could die happy and just knowing that I lived my dream, even just for one movie, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I hope I get Nothing to do more. more. <laughs> I hope yeah. So. Now, when you were shooting, there was a lot of buzz about your co-star. Yes. Did you ever suggest to Idris that if he were to play James Bond, that he'd need a new money penny and that you were willing to do an English accent? Because <laughs> if you haven't, I might just shoot him an email. Because you never well, know you what know, he's thinking. We did just bring to be up like, hey, James Bond briefly. I said, you know, when we were chatting that one time, I said, oh, because I was saying, I was like, man, you're really impressive. You're a, you're an actor. You're a DJ. You're a rapper now. And he was kind of like, mm. Um, he is a rapper. I, I rapped his rap song back to him and he laughed at me because I don't know if you could tell right. by my voice, but I'm not a rapper. So he laughed me at too. my face. Me too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fine, yeah. it's fine. It's like, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but we did, I said, you know, and, and, and you know, every, every other month I hear you're in the running to play James Bond. And um, he basically was like, I don't know, I think that ship might have sailed. And I was just like, don't, don't say that. You know, I, I, there are so many people that would just love to see him take that role. I don't really understand the, 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 the pushback on that. He would be fabulous. And if he does, you know, he's got my numbers. So, I, I mean, I could be a bond yeah. girl. I'm just saying, give me a couple yeah. months to get in shape. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Just give me the courtesy of going to the gym for like, you know, two months or so. And then we can yeah. make it work. But, you know, I'm all on board. No. We could get you Ricky. definitely want to just, yeah, just definitely just check in with him yeah. and say, hey, I'm I'm available. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah, give me exactly. some gym time and I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. I can, I will, no acting required to be a mom girl. <laughs> exactly. Zelda, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, he would be such a great bond. I don't know why uh, people have been. I always hear the age thing. Well, there's the age thing, but then there's also the fact that people are racist. But yeah. I, I feel like the most uh, reasonable argument is the age. Like, the by age the time. Thing. But my thing to but, that is like, you know, how long did Roger Moore do it? I mean, past when yeah. he should have been doing it, right? Right. Um, yeah. But he still did it. And I mean, honestly, like A View to a Kill is like one of my favorite Bond films. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And, and he like, was way too old. Oh, completely. But 55 and 60 today are not what 55 and 60 it's were. It's true. It's true. I don't know. I, I so. just, I feel like we ought to give Idris like just one, just one Bond film, at least one. It's a courtesy at yeah. this point for all of us, really. Honestly, um, I just, you know, or we could give him like a, another Bond uh, spinoff, like um, what was the what's the one? Not Moonraker, but what's the what's the one that's like a Bond movie but not a Bond movie, really? I can't uh, think of mean, what it is. You mean Never Say Never Again? Yes, the Connery maybe that's one. It. That, yeah, yeah. You know, give him, it would not give hurt. Give him a better one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's look a better one. 
so Concrete Cowboy was supposed to premiere at Toronto. Yes. Or no, it did premiere at Toronto. It was supposed to be a Telluride. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Again, if you need a plan B, Toronto, I mean, very fine festival. Not a bad festival. way to go. Not a bad yeah. way to go. <laughs> yeah. So when, when is it coming out? That I don't know. I, the last I heard was there were some, there were negotiations happening. I'm not at liberty to say with who. Uh, but no. um Course. I, I heard that there were some very strong negotiations happening uh, and that um, we're looking at most likely early next year. But as far as like a specific date, they have not told me. So, right. yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping they tell me soon because it's getting to the point now where people are like my friends and family are like, did you really make this movie or did you Photoshop those pictures you showed us? Because yeah. I don't yeah. think this was a real thing. And I'm like, no, I swear, it's real. <laughs> Very good news for Liz and for you. Concrete Cowboy is available to stream right now on Netflix. You can follow us on all the various socials. Our website is whythepodcast.com and has all sorts of additional stories and videos. It's also where you can sign up for our newsletter. We're also on YouTube if you're into that kind of thing. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Because if you don't, we'll call your mother and tell her that she's completely right. You would look so much prettier if you smiled more. Why the Podcast is part of Mudhouse Media. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sovey and Sandy Stone. Our willing executive producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthomagnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?